I'm going to go to Nehemiah, if you have your Bibles, Nehemiah. The Lord uh, was stirring my heart. I'm just going to take a journey through Nehemiah. I, I, um, not the whole book, don't get worried. <laughs> Y'all know how this goes. We get stuck on one word, so hey, we'll just see where it goes. Uh, I, uh, I have been feeling in my spirit to just do this, to, to just dig around and teach this. And this morning, um, when the Lord prompted me to read from Isaiah and to to face some things, some of y'all are facing some things and just bring those to the altar. Uh, it just echoed how important this scripture from Isaiah is. And so uh, if I were going to title this, if I were going to title this, um, I would give you this title. What is God building out of your inefficiencies? You know, Nehemiah faced a, a difficult season. Um, and he was facing a, div- a really difficult challenge. And... Um, he had to build the walls. We know the story that Nehemiah had to face the rubble heat of the Jerusalem walls and rebuild the walls. And, and I want to dig into this story a little bit. But what a challenge that Nehemiah had to face. He had to deal with the ash heap. He had to deal with the rubble of the remains of the Jerusalem walls. And sometimes our lives are like the walls of Jerusalem where we feel like we're facing a bunch of rubble and a bunch of ashes. But God takes the the rubble and the ashes and he gives us his beauty. We read it this morning from Isaiah 61 that instead of ashes, he's given you beauty. Instead of your mourning, he's given you joy. Come on, say that with me. He's given me joy. Tell somebody, say joy. You don't have to continue on in, in mourning. He's given you joy. In the middle of your mourning, you have joy. Jerusalem's walls were torn down, but Nehemiah, the comforter, his name means comforter. The comforter has come. The Holy Spirit from heaven, the comforter has come to bring you joy. You know, the very thing of your life that you feel like could never be a source of joy. You know what that is. The very thing in your life that you feel like is just a place of sadness or sorrow or depression or or fear or worry. If we look at the world around us, it's dealing with COVID and pandemic life and the, the effects of the pandemic and all of the things going on in the world around us. And we look at that and we say, how could I find joy in the middle of that? It's in those places where we say it's an ash heap, it's a pile of rubble, that God begins to rebuild and do incredible works in our lives. You are God's workmanship. Hear me, somebody. You are God's masterpiece. And he's taking the rubble of your life and he's building a masterpiece. In Nehemiah chapter 1, it says that it came to pass in the month of Chislev that in the 20th year I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with me from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity, that's a great way to begin, by the way, any response You know, how's the family? Well, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. And so it was that when I heard these words, that I sat down and I wept and I mourned 
for many days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I want to pause right there. Here's Nehemiah. He's doing his, his duty to the king. He is the cupbearer to the king. He's a servant to King Artaxerxes. He's there fulfilling his purpose, his mission, serving the king. He's waiting on the king, making sure that the king is taken care of. He's in Shushan. He's in the capital city. He's doing great. And there's a message that is brought to him about the walls of Jerusalem and that they're broken down, they're destroyed, and they're burned with fire, and the people are with reproach. And the Bible says that Nehemiah was full of sadness. He began to mourn over the broken down walls and his family that was going through, the, the survivors that were going through this season. Nehemiah began, it says that he began to pray and to fast. You go through chapter 1 and it tells you the prayer that he prayed. He, he begins to pray for God's sovereignty to be revealed. He prays a prayer of repentance. If you go through, it's a prayer of repentance. Lord, we've sinned against you. We've not kept your commandments. The very reason that we're even in this mess, the very reason we're where we are today is because we've sinned against you. You know, no matter what you're going through, really, the problems and the hurts and the failures and the, the ash heap of this life, the rubble of this life is the result of sin. You know, it may not be your sin. It may be the sin of someone else or it may be the effects of sin. We live in an in a imperfect world, a sin-filled world. And the effects of sin and the effects of depravity, the effects of the curse are all around us. Whether it's depression or anxiety or fear, all of these things, they're all part of the curse. It's all part of this fallen world in which we live. But the Bible tells us that Christ came and redeemed us. Us. He redeemed your life. He purchased you and broke the power of the curse in your life. He takes the rubble heaps. He takes the ash heaps. He takes the sadness and the sorrow and the things of this life. And he turns them into our joy and his glory. Isn't it good to know that no matter what you're going through, tap somebody and say, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you're going through, the rubble or the ash heap is going to be your source of joy. God's going to get the glory and you're going to get happified. <clears throat> Let me tell you, I just want to serve notice for you right now. Some of you need to hear this. You are no longer going to continue on in your depressed, sad state. I don't think you heard me. It's time you serve notice on the devil and say, I'm getting happified. God is getting glorified. My rubble heap is not for just anything. You see, this looks like a pile of ashes to you. It might look like a pile of anxiety to you. It might look like a pile of fear to you. But for me, it's brick by brick that the Lord is rebuilding in my life. It's step by step. It's moment by moment. God's rebuilding the ash heap of my life. You may look at me and call me a big pile of dirt. But I look at this and I say, this is God's glory. You may look at me and say, this... I I'm a mess right now, but what you don't see, come on somebody, but what you don't see is what I see through the eyes of faith, that God's rebuilding something in my life. 
You may feel broke, but God's building. You may feel depressed, but God's giving you the joy. You may feel like you're defeated, but you're victorious and more than an overcomer. I wish somebody would help me this morning. You need to look at your situation and say, my rubble is my beauty. My ash heap is my glory. Look what God is crowning my life with. You know, when you go to the Ash Wednesday and they put the cross on you, God's taking the ashes. He's crowning your life with glory. You know, it looks like ashes of sadness and sorrow, but it's ashes of joy. It's ashes of gladness. You just got to look through the eyes of faith. Nehemiah spent four months praying and fasting before the Lord. He heard the report in what would be our, the equivalent of our November-December. We pick up in chapter 2 that it came to pass in the month of Nisan. That would have been March or April in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. So this has been four months have passed. And when wine was before him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king because remember, he's the cupbearer. His job, it's a great job, to make sure that no one poisons the king. Some of you will figure that out later when you go home. <clears throat> How many of you know that, you know, people don't always like political leaders. <laughs> that would be a dangerous job. <laughs> now I had, had been sad in his presence. I had never been sad in his presence before. You know, if I, I'm just saying, if I had a cupbearer that was testing my drinks, uh, it's not wine, but if someone was texting my, my water, my drinks, and they came into my presence sad, I might not drink what they were bringing. I would want to know what's going on. Why are you sad? Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad? You're not sick. There's nothing but sorrow of heart. Isn't it interesting that the, the effects for four months, the effects of what Nehemiah was facing the news that he had, the report that he had, he had begun to bring that before the Lord, began to lay that before God. This is, and actually in chapter uh, 1, verse 11, it says, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For four months, for four months, Nehemiah had waited on the fulfillment of that prayer. Lord, prosper me this day and give me mercy in the sight of this man. I don't know about you, but if you've ever faced an urgent need, you want God to answer it right now. When you have faced an urgent situation, when the, and, and when we're talking about the walls of the city, this is an urgent need. It would be, it would be like living in a bad part of town with no doors or windows. You know, do you understand? So the, the walls were a source of protection for the city. Ezra had rebuilt the temple. Nehemiah comes in and he begins to rebuild the walls. But there, the temple had been built, but there were no walls. For 152 years, there were no walls around the city. The King Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the city, burned the walls. And, and now they have no protection, no fortification. It was a sign of reproach that the people in the, around them, the rulers around them would look upon Jerusalem as a, as a place of reproach. And for four months, 
Nehemiah has sat with this and prayed with this and waited for his divine moment. He's waited for that moment where God gave him favor with the king. It's interesting because King Artaxerxes had financed Ezra to go rebuild the temple. But Nehemiah was waiting for his turn. Have you ever been there where you see everyone else getting the blessing? Everyone else and the you, you see the blessing of the Lord moving on someone else's life. You see the prosperity. You're like, Lord, I'm waiting for four months. I've been waiting for a breakthrough. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. God, for four months I've been waiting to hear my moment. But Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He was a man who continually prayed and brought his need before the Lord. And so now the effect of this moment is weighing on him. I wonder what God saw in this moment. What did God see? King Artaxerxes saw the sad face of Nehemiah. But I believe that God saw the burden of a rebuilt city a rebuilt wall on Nehemiah's heart. He saw the plan and the purpose that he had given to Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't need to respond to this, but when he heard the news, God began to stir in his heart. You know, when we're faced with challenging seasons or difficult times, you know, we feel that. We feel the weight of that. And sometimes it's even things that God, the, the passions and the purposes that God has gifted us with, that we look at and we're moved to tears. If you remember back with Noah, the Bible says out of fear, Noah being moved with fear, built an ark. The very purpose of God for his life moved him emotionally. What you cannot cry for, you will not battle for. And so you, God oftentimes will move you, but put you in a place where you are moved to tears over what he's stirring on the inside of you. Because it's in that place of brokenness. It's in that place where you're looking at the ash heap or the rubble of your life. You say, God, what can you do with that? In that moment, he begins to birth something on the inside of you. He begins to birth a tenacity and a determination that says, no matter what happens... God is with me in this. There's something that you can only get the determination, the tenacity, the fortitude, the roots going down deep that only happens in the middle of the test. Only happens when you're looking at the ashes. I remember there was a season of life where I was going through a very, some of you may have heard this story, very difficult season and, and I was determining I had moved to New Orleans, and I was trying to determine whether or not I was going to stay, what was going to happen, what was God doing. I thought everybody was crazy. What's going on? What's God doing here? And I had reached a point of just absolute brokenness about what the situation was. And I thought, God, I'm, I'll just, I'll leave. I'll head back to Illinois. There was only one reason I stayed, and she's sitting on the front row. Otherwise, I would have just packed it up. And I said, Lord, you have got to speak. And I remember that night, it was after a service. And I remember that night going back to my apartment that I was staying in. I went into my bedroom and I turned on a song. It was Rita Springer. 
and she was singing, I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe. And I put that song on repeat. And I don't know, I can't tell you physically what happened, but I knew that Jesus walked into the room. And at some point I was fully overwhelmed with his presence. And in that moment, I knew that he was building something out of the ashes. I didn't quite know what he was building. I didn't know what was coming out of that rubble heap, but I knew that he was doing something. I knew that he was building something. And as I laid there, I found at some point, I don't even know when it happened, I, it was like all time and space stopped. Everything just came to a screeching halt. And I found myself on my side, laying on my side, and it was like I was laying in someone's lap, and I could literally tangibly feel arms wrapped around me like I was laying in somebody's lap. And it was like God was saying, I, just as this, I want to lay back against you and breathe. I just needed to lay back and breathe. I just need to breathe him in. I needed to find my joy in him. I needed to find that he was enough in the middle of that situation. And sometimes when we face those challenging moments, is it always easy? No. But it's in those moments that we find the glory of the Lord revealed in us in ways that we would have never seen or known before. So Nehemiah answers, it's, it's interesting. He said, I became dreadfully afraid. You know, Nehemiah, what is the king going to do to me? I'm not supposed to look sad in his presence. What, how will the king respond? May, hello. And he says, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place my, father, my father's tombs lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies with waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? Now this is interesting to me. Listen, here's Nehemiah. He's been waiting for four months for this opportunity. He's been waiting for four months. Somebody might need to help the phone. Um, he's been waiting for four months He's been waiting for four months for this divine moment. He's been waiting for four months for this opportunity. We can just worship. It's great. At least it's a ringer with worship. For four months, he's been waiting for this divine moment. For four months, this opportunity he's been waiting for. And it's now facing him. It's staring him in the face. He's sad. And King Artaxerxes says to him, what is it that you want? In other words, what can you do? What can you do? Nehemiah, you've heard the report. You've seen the, you've heard the stories of the rubble. You've heard the stories of the ash heap. What can you do about it? What has God empowered you to do? That's a question for you today. In the middle of your ash heap, in the middle of your rubble, what can you do? What has God enabled you to do? He doesn't expect you to do any more than what he's called you to do. Sometimes when you're in the middle of the situation, the best you can do is say, I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to get my Bible out. I might get through one sentence, but I'm going to read the word. I'm going to stay faithful to what I know to do. 
And where does that come from? Where does, where does the revelation of that come from? Nehemiah chapter 1. He had spent his time in the presence of the Lord. He had spent his time in prayer. A man that prays much will always pray more. That's Nehemiah's response in the middle of this. What can you do? He stopped. Verse 4. And I prayed to the God of heaven. I would imagine it probably was one of those quick prayers. Have you ever had one of those quick prayers? Help me, Jesus. But those prayers are powerful. In the middle of the situation, sandwiched right in between what you're feeling and what the answer is that you have to give. Right in between what you feel about that situation and and having to give a response as to what your hope is. Help me, Jesus. It's a spontaneous prayer, just calling out. You know, it doesn't have to be eloquent. Because when you've spent your time on your face with the Lord, in those moments, all you need is a help me, Jesus. So he'd been on his face and waiting for this moment. The king comes and says, what can you do? What is it that you need? What can you do? And he prays. And he said, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. And the king answers him. He gives him the letters. Read verse 7. It says, furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let the letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph and the keeper of the king's forest that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel. Oh, I just got to pause there. Uh, who's king? Who's in the middle of the king's forest? <laughs> all the king's men and all the king's horses. All right in the middle of the king's forest. Sometimes you may not feel like you can accomplish what God's set in front of you. You're staring at your ash heap, the pile of rubble, the news, the issues. But right in the middle, all the king's horses and all the king's men come riding in to help you again. So just don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Everything that you need, the good hand of the Lord is upon you. The good hand of God is upon you. That's what Nehemiah kept saying. The good hand of the Lord is on me. Psalms 139.5 says that he's laid his hand on me. Right in the middle, he's hemmed you in. Right in the middle of your mess, he's hemmed you in and laid his hand upon you. All of the supply that you need to rebuild the wall, he's given to you. Right now, the joy that you need, he's given to you. Right now, the peace that you need, he's given to you. Right now, the hope that you need, he's given to you. Right now, everything that you need to deal with the situation of your life, the rubble of your life, God has placed right before you. You're carrying the hurt. You're carrying the shame. You're carrying the problem, the the issues of life. God has laid before you his joy. He's placed before you every supply that you need. And so Nehemiah takes the letters, he takes, and I love if you keep going through Nehemiah chapter 1, we don't have the time to even get as far as I wanted to go, but in in Nehemiah chapter 1, in verse 11, it says that I came to Jerusalem and was there for three days, and I arose in the night and a few men with me. So, So Nehemiah takes 
um, some men with him. He said, I arose in the night, I took a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do. He hadn't shared the news. He wasn't advertising about rebuilding. He just goes in and he takes a few men with him, nor was there any animal except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the well, and, the, and he begins to view, this is what he says, and I viewed the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah received the news about what was happening. He got the news that things were not looking good. He was sad. He went before the Lord. He began to pray. He called out to God. And then he takes, he gets the blessing from the king to go. The supply was provided. And he goes to Jerusalem and he goes out and he surveys the wall. I want you to look, look at me. This is so important. One of the very things that we don't want to do when we're facing challenging times. We don't really want to evaluate what we're facing. We want to ignore it. We want to, we want to try to put it out, put the fire out. We want to ignore it. We want to you know, try to pretend it's not there, all of those things. Nehemiah didn't shrink back in fear. He wasn't trying to stay home and forget about the problem. He said, if we're going to deal with this problem, I'm going to go out and I'm going to survey the wall. I'm going to take an assessment of what really is wrong. Sometimes you need to sit down and be honest with yourself and take an assessment of what's really going on. You need to take an assessment of what's happening. How am I really? I think one of the most challenging things, one of the most challenging parts of our lives is that we know there's an ash heap. We know that there's a pile of rubble. But please don't make us sit and examine the rubble. We don't want to evaluate. We, want, we don't want to take the time to really reflect in our own lives. What is the value of that rubble to me? What does it look like to have to rebuild that brick by brick? We'd rather just ignore it. Say, woo, on Sunday when pastor says God's going to give you the victory, woo. But we don't want to sit down on Monday and say, okay, God, I see through the eyes of faith that you can rebuild this, but it's going to take me and all these people brick by brick rebuilding this. But it requires us to take an assessment of where we're really at and begin to build. He took out a few men with him. Notice he didn't take out the army. He didn't take out all of the, all of the people. Of, he took a few people who were close to him. And they examined. Can, can I share with you something that is so important? When you sit down to take that assessment of where you're at in life, don't do it alone. You are not designed to face life's challenges alone. It's okay to sit down with someone and say, I have an ash heap. <laughs> I have a pile of rubble. And I need to take an assessment. Will you sit with me? Will you take the time to sit down with me? Let's evaluate this together. Let's figure out what God's saying over this together. Because it's in that moment that faith begins to stir. You begin to see what's broken down. You begin to see what's burned by fire. But you also begin to see the possibility that God's creating. You see, God was never moved. He was never shaken by the fact that the walls of the city were burned. He knew that they were 
they had been destroyed. And he stirred in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild them. He supplied Nehemiah with everything that he needed to rebuild. And I want to tell you this, God is not shaken or surprised by your situation. He's not caught off guard by what you're facing. And he's given you everything that you need to face it and be victorious. You and I need to see through the eyes of faith. We've got to walk through the broken down walls by faith and not by sight. Paul told me I walk by faith and not by sight. So when I walk through the rubble and it reminds me, oh yeah, I remember that situation. I remember what they said. I remember what they did. I remember how that went down. I remember that. And it and in that moment, our emotions get triggered. In that moment, our thoughts start racing. But you have a few men who are walking with you. You have a few men who are with you and saying, come on, Nehemiah, you need to take an account. Let's write this down. You're not going to get stuck on the rubble. We see through the eyes of faith. Come on, take an inventory. Take an inventory of what this is. Write it down because that's what Nehemiah did. He made notes. He wrote it all down so he could communicate to the people how to rebuild it. So you just write it. Okay, got that. I'm taking an assessment of that. This is where God's, this is what happened. This is what God's going to do. I think some of you just need to go get yourself a journal and write it down. This is what happened. And this is what God's going to do. This is what happened, but this is what God's going to do. This is what happened, but this is what God's going to do. He's redeeming the situation of your life. You need to remind yourself to walk by faith, not by sight. It's okay to have a few men go with you and say, or women, and tell you, say, hey. You can interpret that appropriately. But they will say to you, men or women, which you, whatever you need, close who can tell you, walk by faith, not by sight. He viewed the wall. Nehemiah was not an engineer. What was Nehemiah's job? He was a cupbearer. This is the greatest story of a servant leader. Someone who said, I, I don't know about anyone else. But as for me, there's a cause. There's a cause. And I'm willing to step up. And I'm willing to face the ash heap. I'm willing to face the rubble. Because there's a cause. There's a purpose in this. I think about Samuel. Excuse me, for Second Samuel, where, or First Samuel, where David goes out and he faces Goliath. I think it's 1 Samuel 17. He goes out and he faces Goliath and he says, is there not a cause? He's willing to face the giant because there's a purpose. There's a plan for victory. I, I got to tell you, there is a plan for victory in your life. God did not set you on a course for destruction. There was something that, yes, the ash heaps come, the rubble comes, but it's the intention of God trying to build something in your life. This isn't the end. It's just the beginning. This isn't the end of your story. This isn't the end of your journey. This isn't the end. The, the rubble is not the end. It's only the beginning. 
Nehemiah had to go out and view the walls to see what God was going to begin. Sometimes when you get out, you're like, I don't know. It's over. It's done. I can't. Nothing's possible. This is an impossible situation. Now, listen. It's not over until God says it's over. And God was rebuilding something new, something fresh. In your life, in that situation, God's building something new. He's building a masterpiece in your life. He's building and designing a masterpiece in your life. And if God should walk the city walls and find my life lacking, then I should say, Lord, tear it down and start over. Lord, if there's an area that you find that is lacking, then Lord, tear it down and let's rebuild. And sometimes the hard tests and trials of this life are the very things that he used to, to, to knock down portions of our walls and our, our lives so that he can rebuild something better, something beautiful. Lord, if I lack, then I'm confident enough in you to say, tear it down. Because it's going to be more glorious than what it was before. You got to have the eyes of faith. And it only comes by being in his presence. I'm going to wrap up, I promise. And verse 17. It says, then I said to them. He said to all the officials and the people, he had gone out, he had surveyed, he had made a report, and he says to the crowd, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's word that he had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. Nehemiah had spent time with the Lord. He had heard this devastating message. God began to stir a purpose in his heart in that. He spent four months in prayer and fasting, waiting on the divine moment, waiting for God to bring the provision for him to step forward in this. Four months later, he hears from King Artaxerxes, how can you respond to this? And he comes back with a reply, boldly asking for supply, for the financing to rebuild the wall and the protection to do it. And he goes out and he builds, he goes out and he surveys and he takes an evaluation. And he takes his men with him and he comes back and he brings the report and he says, you see, you know the distress we're in. You know what we're facing. And I say to you, you know the situation. You know what you're facing and you're going through. You see the distress. And what Nehemiah said is, I see the possibility." I see the distress, I see the destruction, but I see the possibility. I see what God's working in this. I see what God's doing in this moment. 
Let me tell you about the good hand of God that's upon my life. Let me tell you about the good hand of God that's upon us. Let me tell you, can I tell you, sometimes you need to sit down and just talk about the good hand of God that's on you. Sometimes when you're in those situations and dealing with the ash heap, all, you've evaluated it, all you see is the ash and the rubble. Sometimes the stirring up faith comes as you remind yourself of the goodness of the Lord in your life in the past. Look what God's done. Look at what, how God has provided thus far. Look how God's brought me to this point. Look what God has done, and I know he's going to continue. I want to remind you, look what God has done in your life. Look at his faithfulness over your life. Look how he's kept your life out of the pit of destruction. Look how he's ordered the steps of your life. Look how he's walked with you season after season after season, moment after moment. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's provided for you every step of the way. You've never lacked. He's always been there. He's always been your sufficient. He's always been the bright and morning star that rises up in your night hour. He's always the sun that's rising with healing in his beams, radiating down on you. Remind yourself of the goodness of the Lord. If you, I'll wrap up, second closing. I love the book of Nehemiah. You should, go, you should go read it if you haven't read it. Read it again if you have. But in Nehemiah, Sam Ballad and Tobiah, you go on to the next verses. These are wonderful governors who start to antagonize Nehemiah. How do you think? These walls have been broken down for 152 years. How do you, that's a long time by the way. How do you think you're going to rebuild these walls? How do you think you're going to do this? By the way, if you don't know the story, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls in 52 days. Fifty-two days, the walls of the city were rebuilt. The good hand of God was upon him, was upon you. So when Sanballat and the Tobiah start barking and squawking about what God's going to do, and they will, I promise. There will be plenty of people who will tell you what you can't do and why you shouldn't do, and you should be depressed and discouraged and fearful. You should just give up on God. You should give up on the vision. It's not going to happen. COVID has knocked you out. COVID, the pandemic has changed the landscape. I don't buy it. If anything, COVID has done. It has put an awareness of our desperation for God. It is the best time to evangelize and share a hope. So, so no, I don't buy that story. Is it easy? No. Statistics tell us about 25% of pastors are leaving ministry right now because of the effects of code. It's absolutely crazy. But that, I don't buy the story. Is it, is it, is it the, is there an ash heap? Is there a rubble? Yeah, but I got a different story. I, I know, I know who's really writing this. It isn't, it isn't the end. This is just the beginning. God's doing something in the ash heap. God's stirring up the rubble. And, and can I just speak to the, to the church as the body of Christ in this, that this COVID is not over. It's not the end for the church. He's building something new. It's going to look, it already looks different. 
Ministry already looks different. Things have changed drastically. But God's building in the middle of the rubble something beautiful. So when the Sambalas and the Tobias, are, and they will, you just got the good hand of the Lord is upon me. You have no right to this. That's what he said. You don't have any right to this. This is God's work. You don't understand it. You have no right to it. Talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. Remember that? Not, not going to deal with this. You're just talking. You're just squawking. I am busy about the work of the Lord. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Worship team, you can come back. Hallelujah. I just, I just want to encourage you today. If you're facing an ash heap or a rubble pile, I know the master builder. I'm just a cupbearer in the house of the Lord, but I know the master builder. And I know that he's inspected and he's evaluated the rubble of your life. I, I'm just a cupbearer in the court of God, but, but he's, he's really the architect. And I can tell you right now that he's, a, he's made a full assessment of your life. He's made a full assessment of the rubble. He's made a full assessment of the ash heap, and he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly how to rebuild. He knows exactly what you need to get to where you're going because he's writing the story. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. David said, I would have lost heart had I not seen, had I not believed, I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart. David, a minute, I would have lost heart if I would have stayed focused on what I saw. If I would have just seen through the natural eyes, I would have lost heart. I would have been discouraged. But I believe that I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believed. I had a confident expectation. I have, yeah, you heard that. Tell somebody next to you, I have a confident expectation. I have a confident, I'm just not, oh, goodness. I, I love my wife, and I have expectations, right? How many of you know that when you are married, you have expectations that are not fulfilled? okay she's pretty close to perfect she's not there yet when you have expectations right that don't get fulfilled actually James tells us that unmet expectations is why we war and fight and quarrel and have discord but that's a whole nother sermon the point of me saying that is that I have a confident expectation because God's never let me down. I have a confident expectation. I have a sure foundation. I have a sure expectation because he's never lacking. He never misses the mark. He's perfect and everything. He's never, I've never walked into a situation. Yeah, maybe there were times where I thought, God, I would have done that different. But once I walk it out, I'm like, God, you really knew what you were doing. That was a whole lot better doing it your way than my way. Ever been there? So I have a confident expectation because I, 
he's tried and tested. He's proven himself. He's perfect, never like. So David said, unless I believe, I have a confident expectation that I, I believed, I had a confident expectation that I'd see the goodness of the Lord. He's, he's never not been good. Okay, I gotta wrap this up or I'm just gonna keep preaching. Jesus, we worship you. He's, you've never not been good, Lord. <laughs> Even in the rubble, in the, even in the mess, you've, just like the woman caught in adultery, you just always stoop down into the dirt. You always find us right where we're at. You always come to us right where we are. And you rebuild. You restore. Jesus, I pray for my friends, my family, Lord, here today. Lord, no matter the, what they're going through or facing, they'll know that you are rebuilding, that there's joy in the rubble. There's glory in the ashes. You exchange the discouragement for delight. You exchange the fear for your goodness and your love. Lord, even today, Lord, I thank you that you're building faith. I want to remind you, if you're new with us, to, you're new or newer to celebration, we have our VIP reception that's happening down that hallway after worship, after the service here, you just go down that way. We'll have folks there to direct you, but let's just worship the Lord. Feel free, if you're going to the VIP, you can head back there whenever, but I want to invite you to worship with us.